0: Can you hear me? Is that loud? You can hear me on the back. I might even start shouting as well, so you can all hear me. I'm setting the levels, cool. Right, Anna, go for it. Slide number one. Ooh, he's nasty. Anyone know what that is? A locust, spot on. Right. I want that image to stay in your mind all the time I'm speaking. I'm thinking, what is the connection of that to what I'm talking about in the story? Not very pleasant, and I put that up there. Because in the Bible, the locust occurs over and over again as a symbol of destruction of pain of suffering and of horrid things but I feel God wants to say this morning I'm calling time on the locust I'm going to restore everything that the locust has destroyed God's here this morning and we were praying for disruption and God to do stuff and it's been quite a bit noisy this morning but I'm encouraged by that because I know that God wants to do things in people's lives that where have been destruction and suffering and pain and all sorts of stuff going on for years and God wants to call time on that and we need to hear it. That's not just Paul Haynes speaking. This is the word of God. This is God speaking this morning. Okay? So, goodbye locust. He's coming back. Slide two. Okay. I'm gonna talk about redemption. Now redemption isn't I'll just shout. Yeah. Um redemption is not a word that we use very often in, in uh in England at the moment. Um the meaning of redemption is it's an act. Shall so I do so I use the hand handheld? You're right just a bit boomy. But redemption is about someone delivering someone from sin or saving them from evil or buying back. Okay, so a similar, simple example of this, sometimes we, we still have porn shops or shops that to buy stuff in if then give us cash and if we then want it or someone else you then have some money later on, you bring your money and you get back what you originally sold. Now, in this story, we're going to see that Boaz and Jesus did something to redeem, okay? That's the whole point of this we we'll am going to be talking about. So in the Bible, so I'm going to be telling a story, going to walk us through it. Um, so far, it has been a very sad story. No, I've got my notes here because I always get the names mixed up and it, somehow it's quite a simple story, but... We have got to the point now where Ruth, two, people, two ladies called Ruth and Naomi are left in the story. This is really sad because there was a guy called Elimelech living in Israel. Now I think most of us know where Israel is at the moment because it's in the news. We've seen the maps. Living in Israel and he marries somebody called Naomi. Naomi it's a lovely romance starts off really well beautiful and they have two sons marlon and Killion. great but then what happens there's famine there's no food there's no nhs there's no government with food stores so what what elimelech does is he takes his family into an area called moab to try and protect his family Bit, bit not good. God said, don't have anything to do with the Moabites. Don't go there. Don't do that. But he made that choice. Now, in that land, then the two, Marlon and Kilian, then marry, and they marry Orpah and Naomi. And Orpah and Ruth. I told you i get the names mixed up. It's going to got rich here. Okay? But it all goes horribly wrong. So, they marry... Orpah and Ruth, who are Moabite ladies. Now God very clearly said, do not marry Moabite ladies, because the Moabite nation did not worship Yahweh. They worshipped some quite unpleasant gods that I won't go into the detail. It's a family show. God said, don't have anything to do with them. You're in trouble. So, Elimelech then dies, the dad... Marlon and Kilion die. This is now sad. So, think about it. You're living in a strange land. You've got no family, but you've got Ruth and Naomi who've got family there. So, it's wake-up time, what you're going to do. So, if you think about it, your husbands are de- are all, have all died. This is horrible. So, what, Ruth, what Naomi does, who is an Israelite, says, ah, I think it's time to go back to Israel i think it's time to go and worship god yahweh it's time to go and then so ruth decides i'm going to go with my mother-in-law but orpah very sadly says no i'm going to stay with my own gods i'm not going so hopefully you followed that so we're left with ruth and naomi ruth is the daughter okay so okay we're going to go to the story slide 3 there isn't a slide 3 yep Naomi's redemption okay so I'm just going to re- i have instead sort of reading from the Bible i am just got, I've got the, the the notes here so in verse 1 I just want to pause This the story continues so Ruth has gone Ruth and Naomi have gone back to Israel um, and now Ruth has started working in fields of one of Naomi's relatives to gather food at the edge. She can't harvest, but she's been gathering food. Um, So it's it's beginning to look good. It's beginning to improve. But one day, so then Naomi said, one day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. So this is, she needs to start looking forward. So it's the care there of Naomi. But the point is, Naomi has a plan. This is what I'm trying to pull out of this. This is Naomi's idea. This is Naomi's plan of getting them out of this. But actually, this is really good because in Naomi's idea, in her head, she's remembered that God said, if your husband dies... The responsibility for looking after you, you as a husband lies with other members of your family. So she's remembered it. And God actually takes this really seriously. So he, in the, the law and the rule, guidance and rules that God gave the Israelites several thousand or so years before, he said this is a responsibility of the family. And it's a bit scary. So all the elders of the, fam- of the, of the village would come together And the widow, whose husband had died, along with other members of that family, the other guy who had the responsibility of marrying someone who was his brother's wife. And if he decided, no, I'm not going to marry you, there's going to be a massive disgrace on that guy. The widow was allowed to spit in this man's face and remove the sandal from that man this is how seriously god regarded this and how he how important it was to look after widows look after the destitute but this would have been in naomi's head because she was an israelite she knew she would have known the law and the responsibility okay so that's it that was in, in verse two so she, her plan was a caring one and her plan was a lawful one. It's what God wanted. It was good. But in verse 3, her plan was a bit risky. It's when you read the Bible and you read, yeah, okay, I read that. Then you go, hang on a minute. Ooh, that's a bit scary. So her plan was, okay, to, her, to Ruth, she said, wash. That wasn't risky. Might have taken a bit of effort getting hold of some clean water. Put on perfume. Go and smell nice. That would have cost money. Interesting one. Get dressed in your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. Now the threshing floor is where they've, they've all been through harvest. They've, ground, they've gathered it all in. And they're now going to separate the grain from all the stalks of the stuff. And That's going to be like hard work, but that's what they've been doing. But don't Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. So she said, go down to see Boaz. I've missed that important step. So Boaz was the relative that had responsibility to look after and to marry and protect um, um, Ruth. Okay. So so she said, wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, go down to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, take note of the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he'll tell you what to do. Now that all seemed a bit strange in 2023, but the culture was, this is what God said, this is a process of what to do. Um, Ruth needed to approach Boaz, the relative, and say protect me so if you think about it it's a bit bit scary what she's going to do he could turn around and say nanas, I'm not going to look after you he could actually do some very unkind things to, to Ruth, he could take advantage and I'm not going there this morning so it's risky okay so Next exercise for so. Let's see what Ruth actually did. So Ruth replied to Naomi, "I'll do," as she said, "I'll do whatever you say." So she went down to the threshing floor. She obeyed and did everything her mother-in-law had told her. Okay. So when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approach quietly so we can read those carry on reading to the end of the story oh great but this is just really this is actually quite scary let's think about it she's a lone woman think about it so Boaz has been working hard all day along with all the other guys threshing floor they would stink they'd be sweaty they'd be hungry so they're then going to eat they're going to drink and they're going to lie down and, and go to go to bed and it's getting dark. but So she's actually at risk of being hurt and of being harmed, but she knows this is what God said, that somehow she needs to discreetly talk to to Boaz what to do. So this is scary. This is all happening in in, in whispers, you think. So, at this point, it says, verse 8, "...in the middle of the night something startled the man." That's Boaz. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. And what was Boaz's response? This I find that this is quite incredible. I think that was a divine nudge. I think that was a wake up, mate! Wake up! Wake up! But his response was a beautiful response. Who are you? So, semi-darkness, in a barn, I've been, the guy's been working hard all, during the day, he's had some nice food, he's had a bit of wine, and he's nudged to wake up. But his response is, Who are you? Who are you? What a good guy. This guy has a great heart. So then she says, in semi-whisper, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your corner of the garment over me since you are my guardian redeemer of our family. You have to imagine this in semi-darkness. Who are you? And this woman who you don't quite recognize but you know you've seen her in the field says spread the corner over my garment. And so he's thinking oh wow this means potentially I'm going to marry this per- I'm going to marry Ruth. I have that responsibility. And who knows well and see his response so in number uh, slide 5 the next bit of the story his response is the Lord bless you my daughter not well hey there's an opportunity to take advantage of a, a vulnerable woman no God bless you my daughter this is amazing he said, "The kindness is greater and greater than which you have shown me earlier. You have not run after the younger younger men, rich or poor." So he recognised too that Ruth was a good, was a godly woman. She had standards. She was great. She wanted purity as well. So there's goodness there. But and then in verse eleven, and it says again, it says, "And now, my daughter, don't be afraid." And I. Just when I was asked to, to, to talk about, to bring this story, I just read through it straight away just to get a refresh. I know this story worked really well. But I read it through and I got to the verse 11. It says, and Now my daughter, don't be afraid. And I felt a, a divine stop. And it's almost, it was all in my head and I saw and I felt God speak to me. It's almost like the story reruns in slow motion. You have her marrying these guys in Moab. You have the death. You then have, oh, I've got no one to look after me. I'm destitute. I could die. I'm hungry, hungry. I've got nowhere to live. And then she then follows her mother-in-law, Naomi. Okay, we'll go back to, we'll go back to Israel. And then, oh no, how's that going to play out? This is stressful. This is fear. This is going to bring massive anxiety and fear. But actually, his response is from the kinsman redeemer, don't be afraid. And that is what she needed to hear at this moment. Not, oh, I've got a few plans here. I'm going to sort all this out. She needed to hear, do not be afraid. And, to, and Jesus is also our kinsman redeemer and does a redeeming work. And I believe this morning that Jesus would say to us this morning, and so those people that are bound up in fear because of all that has gone on in the past, he would say, do not fear. And I'll get to that in detail in a minute. So then this is his plan and I'll just read, read through it. I'll do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character. That's, she had a good reputation. Although it is true that I'm a guardian redeemer of your family, i.e. that legal responsibility, if I turn it down, I'm going to have my sandal removed, spit in my face, there's shame there. This is, there is another who is more closely related. So he's kind of like stepping back. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. Let him do that act of marriage, of saving and rescuing her and looking after her long term. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I'll do it. So he's willing to, uh, he's willing to marry her. Lie down here till morning. This is beautiful. That's what scripture says. That is what happened. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. So there would have been other servants, there would have been part of his family and other workers. They would have seen it, but he was protecting her reputation. He was protecting her, dig- her dignity. That was an amazing guy. He also said, Bring me the shawl, this is to to Ruth, you are wearing, and hold it. When she did so, he poured in six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. So that's like six times what he gave her in the previous chapter. This man's generous. And then this all happens, so she gets back to her mother-in-law, and you can imagine the the, the scenario, the the conversation that went on. And when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked... How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done before, for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And Naomi said, wait. And Naomi here, who came up with the original plan, is pretty wise. She's pretty switched on. She said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. I'll bet. Okay. So, we have seen, we've seen Naomi's plan for redemption and rescue and restoration. And we've seen Ruth's action, how she responded. And we've seen Boaz's as a redeemer action planning. Now, Jesus is our redeemer and kinsman redeemer, and I'm going to explain what that means. And God too, just like Naomi, has a plan, had a plan, and has a plan. Okay? So, slide six. Oh, it's four. Oh, I have got six on there. Sorry, Anna, you're doing brilliantly. <laughs> I think I might be suit with the verses. Right it's slide 6 I'm right cool oh it's got different numbers anyway right okay this God has had a plan God's plan for rescuing us was before creation I'm going to deviate from my notes just to explain this to make this more sense God had a plan. and why did He have to have a plan? Why did He rescue us? He rescued us, and we're going to look at, we'll look at the verses in a minute because we have all done evil. We have all broken His standards. We all continue to do evil. and we ignore God and that needs to be dealt with as an individual. And if you go back in the Old Testament, which the book's before the story of Ruth, God set out his standard, and we have all broken that. We've all done that, but what God says is, if we break those standards, we deserve death. And ultimately, if we weren't brought back, we weren't rescued, if we weren't redeemed, we'll be in hell for the rest of eternity, forever. Because God says, if you sin, there is eternal punishment. So that is the massive problem, okay? Now I read that and thought, yeah, I've, I've got that sussed. I understand that. That's fine. Rich preached on it a few weeks ago. And he's he reminding us, this, this story, this gospel is just ridiculous. It's foolish. Yeah, I've got the box ticked. Yeah, I understand that. Ha! When you're asked to preach you probably say no because you actually know that God's got something to make a bit clearer to you and deal with. I started thinking about this and God said, no, you haven't got it. You haven't got it. Actually, what my, my gospel, the gospel is, it's actually ridiculous. And I'll explain what I mean. God sent Jesus to die for all of us to be punished because he wanted us to worship him voluntarily. He wanted us to have the choice and to make that choice. And that is ridiculous and some might find that offensive. Some of us, we could turn our back on God and say, no, I'm not going to worship you. Or we could say, yes, I love you. And that's what God wants. God does not want robots. That's why he sent Jesus. He he sent us. He sent Jesus to die for us then to say, I believe what you have done, Lord Jesus. You have been punished like that lamb, like those thousands and millions of sacrifices that were made of the slaughter of animal life because of the sin that's all ended now but Jesus you died now for what I've done you've died for all that I'm going to do wrong in the next few years of my life and I worship you for that I thank you for that I willingly worship you there's no you must worship me you must worship me we have a choice and that is offensive that is amazing and that's good but actually I'm going to point out in a minute I, I, I also got focus on, oh yeah, that's God's salvation plan for me. That's God's redemption for me. Oh, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's it. Then I felt God also say, no, that's still not it. It's far bigger than that. Remember, it's massive. Because what happened, and we don't know when, this is where Satan comes into the story. This is where evil happened satan wanted to be god and god said no get out of heaven and satan took with him a third of the angels that's what we clearly have in scripture so he got kicked out so then god has the plan i've got to deal with satan once and for all and I've now got to deal with the fact that there is evil around. So God plans creation. I'm going to create man and I'm going to create the world. But I want them to worship me willingly. But I know that's going to go pear-shaped. I know that's going to fail. So I'm going to plan to, have to send Jesus to die as that sacrifice. And I'm going to fix the sacrifice problem, no more than deal with punishment, but actually at the point of Jesus dying on that cross, the power of evil was broken. Death was conquered. That's why Satan knew it was up at the cross. End game, end of, victory, total victory. That was God's plan. And just in case you think I'm making this up, I'm not, I'm just going to read, with, read quickly some verses from, from the Bible that make it very clear what God was doing, so in Titus chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 Paul is writing he talks about the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time okay so before God made the world, this was all planned. God knew what was going to happen. Which is now appoint now at this appointed season, he's brought the light through the preaching entrusted to me the command of God. Okay? Now, also in Genesis 3, verse 14 and 15. This is in creation. So right at the very beginning of creation. God wants us to know, remember, and make it very clear to Satan, this is what's going to happen, this is the end game. So Adam and Eve have sinned, they've eaten the fruit, they've disobeyed God, they listened to the voice of Satan, so God says, enough. So the Lord God, this is God speaking to Satan, and we've got a record. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Satan, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. So Satan had taken the form of a snake or creature. We're not really 100% clear. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And this is the bit, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers now, this is the key bit, not particularly straightforward English or whatever. I will put, uh, uh, between your offspring and hers, the key bit, he will crush your head. He's talking to Satan. He, and he's talking about Jesus. He will crush your head. <laughs> Done. You will strike his heel. There's a bit of a difference between having your head crushed and your heel being hit. Having your heel hit is quite painful. It enables you to struggle to walk. But having your head crushed is the end game. It's finished. You die. It's serious. So then in Romans three twenty-three. Why was the plan needed, as I've just spoken about, because we've all sinned and we miss God's standard. Okay? So So just as Naomi had a plan, Ruth acted, and Boaz acted as the redeemer. Now, so God's action, and I've talked about. God sent his son. He sent Jesus. And I've said this already. I really want to drive this home. There's several verses in, in the gospel that we, some of us are very familiar with. And we trip off the end of our tongue very quickly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eh, right. But actually, I think we need to read the rest of the some verses that follow it as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So that freedom. But this is the serious bit. So we have, I've talked about we have a free will. We have a choice. But God is saying here, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son now this verse is referring to the jews at that time but also this affects this is talking to us now so actually god did send his son into the world yes but actually we now have a choice to believe jesus and be restored and not condemned because we are, would be we are condemned if we don't if jesus we deserve punishment we deserve that eternal condemnation but god is saying no more if you believe in jesus if you acknowledge sin but if you don't there is eternal condemnation and that's just not paul Haynes speaking that's god's word This is God speaking. But God's response, just like Boaz's response, is pure, comes up with a deliverable plan, and it's amazing. So, 1 John 1 9. You're doing brilliantly, Anna. If we claim to be without sin, we're pretty stupid. No, it doesn't say that, but it does say pretty close to that. We deceive ourselves. I deceive myself a lot of the time. Louise points that out. Wake up, Paul. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. However, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, so that's God, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim, we makes the point again, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So this morning, whatever we have done, however impure it was, however horrible it was, however long ago it was, if we tell God this morning, we can know condem- we can know forgiveness. we can know God's washing we can know God's cleansing and freedom from condemnation. there is no guilt there's freedom. and I want God to do that this, to do that this morning in people's lives and people's hearts okay because God actually wants to do that as well. It's not just me. Okay, right. I spent a lot of time on this slide, number seven. You always say, wow, this is great. Hopefully, this summarizes what the, God's plan. But there's one detail that I didn't tell you about. Okay. Well, I'll first of all explain my beautiful spreadsheet, which is a Gantt chart. And it's a shame that Jen Richardson isn't here because I work with her and she knows how excited I get about spreadsheets. So, in front of you, God's redemption plan. Now, hopefully, as I've made clear, on the bottom is time. Black arrow indicating time to the right. We are here. 2000 AD. Okay? The beginning of the plan... I foolishly wrote 4000 BC. Actually, God had the plan before time. Okay? 4000 BC is what archaeology reliably tells us Adam and creation roughly happened through carbon dating. That's the reliable kind of like we've got that window. Okay? So this is God's plan. So we have just some key people in it Adam. Moses, two thousand years years later. And then we have someone called Rahab. A lot of you might be thinking, Who? Who? Who's Rahab? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. Ruth. Ah. We've heard about Ruth for the last 10 ten twenty minutes. King David. Ah. What's going on here? Jesus, ah, we know about Jesus, you've been going on about Jesus, and we know it's 2,000 years ago, because that's why it's A.D., Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. Got that? And B.C. is before Jesus. But what's, what's the point? What's the connection? The connection is, Ruth and David are part of Jesus' family. They were direct descendants of Jesus. Okay? Now, who's Rahab. I'll tell you anyway. Now Rahab and her family were the first, first they lived in Jericho, which was the first city that the Israelites took over when God said, you can have your promised land. Now Rahab was a prostitute and her whole family lived with her. But God preserved that family's life. Amazingly, although God said, I want you to destroy everyone else because they've turned my back on me. They do evil and horrible things. I want them gone. But God saves the life of Rahab and her family, and Rahab's family line is also a descendant of Jesus. Interesting. So what's the connection? Ruth, we talked about, was a Moabite, not an Israelite. She's also part of that family. So in God's massive grace, in the midst of disaster, so in the midst of immoral and forbidden living, doing stuff that God hates, as in Rahab, and the stuff of Ruth being a Moabite, all the stuff that had gone on in her family in history, God says, I'm taking you, I'm taking you, I'm redeeming this bad situation, and this is going to be part of my eternal plan. Isn't it exciting that Ruth and those two Ruth and Rahab are part of something that affects eternity? They're part of something that led to the destruction of the power and the power of breaking of, of Satan's power. Isn't that awesome? Because they made choices. So that's God's plan. I hope that's clear. So I've gone on probably. For, I didn't look at the clock. <laughs> Right, slide eight, time for the locust back. He's nasty, he's got millions of mates that he flies around with, bringing destruction, and again, a symbol of disaster, disaster and bringing destruction in our lives and things that have just gone on and, and horrible stuff and a picture of sin and a horrible time. So, let me have to play this. I'm just going to, I'm going to read from my Bible now. It's not any different to that. I thought God t- told me to bring this and it just connects amazingly a few weeks ago to this. This is in the book of Joel and this is God talking to the Israelites having them being rescued and this happens after David had been born, and everything else. And God says, you've totally ignored me, because they just mess it up. The the whole nation of Israel ignore God. They end up sacrificing to horrible gods and doing awful things for hundreds of years, turn their back on God. So God says, enough. I'm going to send locusts. I want your attention. This isn't good. So... The Syrians and the, and the Iranians, actually, the Babylonians, that were, um, historically the Iranians, God says, right, go and get them. Take, take a lot of them out. Take them back to that land. But there then comes a point where God says, I've seen your suffering. That's enough. God is merciful. You can go back into the land. And I just felt God wanted us to say, what wanted me to say this morning... This is God speaking to to the people then. This is God speaking to us right now in 2023, Sunday the 5th of November. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Get the point? That the locusts cause... It's devastation. And it's a symbol of however we are at this morning, whatever we have gone through, if we look back on our lives and we made rubbish decisions that have impacted us badly, if we've done something so that we regret, if we're afraid because of all the stuff that's gone in, in our life, if we're afraid of the future. Just as in, in, in the story of Ruth, God's saying, this is my son, Jesus Believe in him, he wants to bring redemption. He wants to bring me a rescue this morning out of this out of your situations. And then God, what then God does is he promises the pouring of his outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And God says, And it shall come to pass. I just love this translation. When God says it shall, it shall, and it shall come to pass afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Also on my servants, young and old, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Now the spirit, Holy Spirit, is God himself coming on us. Jesus went back to the Father in heaven, but he sent his Holy Spirit. We can't see him, but he is here in this room working this morning. And it says at the end of that bit, and it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For in Mount Zion, which was another term for the church, in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance, redemption and rescue. So in the, in the midst of mess, in the midst of pain, in the midst of trauma, horrible stuff, God wants to bring rescue and redemption this morning. So, our response, and in a minute, I'm going to ask us to stand together. Are lots of the other children out? Because I wanted this to be a bit of a family thing. Are all your children, all your children with you? Cool. Great. That's fine. Mark, is Eliora in as well? so I want her to hear this. Sorry? To the back. Cool. Right. The reason I'm doing that is because I've been preaching, I'm, I'm focused, I haven't a clue who's in the room or what's happening, but I know God wants us to bring this. But I think there's responses here for us to bring. I think we need to respond to God. I can see you now. And I want us all to hear what God wants to say this morning because I think God's got stuff for you this morning as families. So kids, families, if you can just... Kids, if you want to come with your parents, okay? I think our response, God wants us to respond to him if we have fear and anxiety, as I keep repeating. God says, I will restore... Those years, all that time of the past, I'm going to want you to restore it. And it's our opportunity now to come to God and say, I'm at an end of this fear. I want an end to this anxiety. I want an end to all this. It's our chance to make that choice because we can do now. It doesn't have to go on for years and years and years. God says, end end of and I think also there is a chance for us to respond to God's redemption plan which hopefully I'll make clear with my beautiful spreadsheet Gantt chart. God's plan is that we deal with sin we've got to say sorry to God that's step number one got to deal with it because that's why Jesus died now if you don't believe in Jesus and if you haven't done that can have the opportunity to do when we stand and i'm going to pray together but if you know jesus and you know there's stuff that you have done and you need to sort out with god and take steps opportunity to do that as well let's get clean let's just get clear of the past because i believe the point of us being here is that we're church and we're going to have an impact on this community we're going to see people going to be used by God let's get ourselves in a clean state let's just stop messing about as Rich said last Sunday time to stop messing about and I say that graciously because I'm hearing that if you haven't been baptized in water opportunity for obedience because that's what it says in Acts chapter 2 Peter said repent of your sin believe in Jesus be baptized in water And if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can pray for you. We would love to pray for you that you'll be baptized, totally covered, totally filled by the Holy Spirit. If you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, we can carry on praying, because it says, go on, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, kids. Listen. I want your eyes. Because God wants your eyes. Okay? Okay? just as Ruth and Naomi had plans God has a plan God has a plan for all of you guys and I tell you God is telling you he wants to speak to you about the future he wants to speak to you in dreams he wants to speak to you through the bible He wants to speak to you when you listen to someone preach and through your friends. And God He wants to speak to you through prophecy. So God can tell other people what he wants to do through you. Then as you go through your years at school and your early life, what God will be doing is I'm telling you this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And it will all connect. Some of it, May not make sense, eh what, yeah, whatever, but there will come a point where it will all get joined up. Ah, oh, yeah, God said that, or oh, that said that, you said that, okay, so in the meal to, in your meal times, there can be conversations about what do you think God wants you to do long term in the future now what 's God saying? well how is God going to use you? And this is a sad bit for me as a parent. My kids are all over 18 now. And I know that God has spoken to them. And that involves some of them moving away. And I've got to go through that. I've got to deal with that. That's good. And I also know that God has spoken some prophetic words over some of my children. And they haven't been realized. They haven't happened yet and I'm praying they do but I know God's spoken so as a parent so let's be open to God so quickly let's stand and I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship because I've talked a long time oh God Holy Spirit I thank you that you're in the room amongst all the noise (laughs) and all that's going on because you want to do things and I want to pray in your powerful name Jesus that you will cut off you will deal with people that are suffering from fear they will hear your words fear not that there will be stories about I stop worrying that no longer bothers me Because you have broken into people's lives this morning. And I want to pray for people here who don't know you. Right now, you have the opportunity to say, Sorry, God, I have totally messed up. I've done evil. I deserve death. I deserve eternal punishment and I need to be forgiven. And for those of you who know God, but you know you've messed up, you've sinned, just take this time just to say, sorry God, I've messed up. Help me to take steps to sort things out and to walk away from what I'm involved in help me to see a future and Lord I want to pray for the children here I pray Holy Spirit speak into them into their hearts when they're at school when they're sleeping may they hear your voice may they just feel your hand on them like they would their parents my child I've got you we're going here, we're doing this. But I also want to speak to adults. We're all in different phases. If you think, this is, oh, I've done it all now. No. God is saying there is now more. I'm calling you into this. But also God is saying, I said I would do this, and I'm going to do this. It hasn't happened yet. But when I say it shall happen, it will happen. Ooh God, will you do that this morning? Oh God, come. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. God. Sword of Should we just respond to God? We worship, carry on.